everyone, uh, to my weekly podcasts. This is my third of the new format that I'm doing. It's just kind of my reflections on uh, life and faith, a little bit on the scriptures, on what things are like in dealing with this coronavirus stuff. I, I hope you find the words, my words helpful, encouraging. Uh, feel free to uh, uh, give me a buzz if you have any questions. You can call, you can email. All that information you can get through the church office uh, or on the church website. I, I try to keep as updated as I can with the material. Uh, uh, so just check out our website, lordofgrace.org. So it's just one word, lordofgrace.org. So I put my sermons up on there. You can listen to those on audio. I also have uh, the services, the most recent online service that we've done. If you, it's a little hard to find them on YouTube, which admittedly it is. Uh, you can find them there on the website. The problem I keep running into with YouTube is that we're, Lord of Grace is not that big of a outfit. And so when somebody just types in Lord of Grace, the first thing that pops up after some ads is Lord's Grace Ministries and all these other videos pop up before you see anything from us because they're just bigger and they have more hits and it fits in their algorithm. So you have to be very particular at Lord of Grace Lutheran Church. But uh, if you can't navigate to YouTube, you can just find us on the website. I've lately even taken to just embedding the videos on the front page. So it's all right there. Try to make it as easy as possible to help us all stay connected to our faith uh, and to each other during this time when we need to be physically away. And um, so, uh, and so I sit and I, I think of these different reflections. Um, I, I tried to think about the other day what it was about this time away that is different from, say, an extended vacation or like a summer vacation, and why it was that it was hard to just relax and chill. Because I should be relaxing and chilling. I should be able to say to myself, there's less things going on. There's less to do. I'll just do some devotions, uh, work on my spiritual life some more, catch up on that now that I'm not having, you know, as many meetings and events and I don't have to write all these lesson plans and stuff. And yet it just never seems to work out that way. I know some of it, some of it is just the sheer logistics of being in a household with five kids, although my oldest is in college, not much of a kid anymore. But, um, you know, that's, so it's not, there's a physical issue that everybody's in everybody's space all the time and everybody's on top of each other. And so the quiet times that I used to get when kids were gone to sit and read, they don't really exist anymore. And um, by the time night comes and I've done the dishes and it takes an hour to do the dishes, when you have seven people and all that. So uh, it, it feels different. But I try to think about what was different. Why is it different? Because uh, we have the same thing in the summer. All the kids are there and everybody's around. And it's even harder sometimes in the summer. You can't send them out to play. And now they can, at least till now, still go outside. And I realized what it was was the diff- was um, 
that in the summer or on a regular vacation, you've got a certain degree of certainty and security that you can depend on. You, you know your job's going to be there, it should be, at least, when the vacation's over. You know your paycheck is reliable. You have some sense of the future. You know when it's going to end. Uh, you know you're eventually going to have to go back to the office and check the emails, uh, although that's always the, the moment you dread, right, is uh, clicking the uh, send-receive button and watching weeks and weeks of emails pile up but you know you know it's coming but you know when you're out you have sort of these fixed markers we don't have fixed markers right now we're living in a time of vast amounts of uncertainty and that is i think the difference at least for me that's the difference that lack of uncertainty that lack of knowing and particularly that lack of knowing how long this is going to go on. How long are we going to continue to be isolated like this? And we, we don't know. We, we haven't been through this. The last time the U.S. really went through this was 100 years ago. And um, there's not many of us alive. I, I will give kudos. There is apparently one guy who's 104 who survived the Spanish flu as a child and who now has gotten coronavirus and survived that too. Uh, I want those guys antibodies, man. That, that, that. But, you know, most of us, we don't have a memory of this. We don't have a, a road, we don't have a road map. We don't have a blueprint. We're feeling this out as we go. As pastors, we're feeling this out as we go. You know, I never signed up to be a video editor. Uh, I never signed up to be, a, a, you know, doing lighting and, and I had no idea till I really got into this uh, how much work goes into something like lighting. I have a whole new appreciation for it now. And I think I'm getting better, at least good enough, that I can crank out something good enough and uh, hopefully move on to looking at some other things, like maybe working on my spiritual life or planning for when we're done. But it's hard to plan when you're done when you don't know when you're going to be done, when you don't know how long. Uh, this is going to be. And that uncertainty kind of gnaws away at you. And it's made it hard for us to to decide what we're going to do as a church. So for now, we're, we have a rhythm and we do what we do. And uh, we're going to keep doing that. And I hope we can all, as best we can, do that. And so I kind of got thinking for today on that question of how long because that phrase, I recognize the phrase, as I was asking the phrase about coronavirus, I, I remembered that phrase from reading it in the scripture. And it shows up in the Bible a lot, actually, uh, this phrase of how long, where the people of God sit there and they ask God how long it's going to be uh, till something gets fixed. And there's a long history uh, in the people doing it. You know, the people, you go way back, the People were in e Egypt. They were in slavery, and so they cried out, how long will I have to do this? And then they get out of Egypt, and they're going through the desert, and they're complaining and complaining. And then God says, how long do I have to listen to you people? I just brought you out of slavery, and now you're complaining again. And then they get into, e they get into the promised land, and they uh, get a kingdom, and they build it up, and uh, and then the prophets come, and the prophets sit there and say, Oh, Lord, how long are your people going to continue with idolatry? And how long will they continue worshiping Baal and Asherah? How long will the injustice and the corruption against the poor continue? 
Uh, How long, O Lord? And they ask this over and over. And then, of course, Jerusalem comes, and the enemy comes, and Jerusalem gets sacked. And then they ask again, how long until it is restored? And then when it is restored, at least somewhat, and they, they come back, then they ask again, how long will it be uh, till the new king comes? How long do we have to put up with things? Uh, let me give you a passage here, an example. Habakkuk. I know the, it, the book that everybody reads all the time, uh, Habakkuk. It's one of those Old Testament minor prophets. Again, minor prophets are only minor because their books are small. They're not minor because their words are unimportant. But anyways, here's Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1, uh, starting uh, verses 2 through 4. The prophet says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes out perverted. So the prophet's uh, partly asking how long and partly asking why God had to give him insight into things. Why couldn't he just have his blissful ignorance? But he asks how long. In the New Testament, it shows up again, and this was the passage that caught my attention initially, or that I remembered was from Revelation 6, where the people are... The Christians are being persecuted by the Romans, and they're asking how long this will continue, and how long will God allow it to happen. Revelation 6, 9 through 11, uh, you get the martyrs. The martyrs are crying under the altar, and they've died, and so they're asking the Lord, how long will we continue stuffed under this altar, awaiting for all this persecution and tribulation to end? And Jesus comes to them, and he doesn't give them a time. He says it'll be soon, and in the meanwhile, here's a white robe. So know that I'm with you, know that your sins are forgiven, and just trust me that I'll get this taken care of. How long? How long is a question you ask when things are not going well, and you're not enjoying it, and you uh, still are holding out hope, that a solution, or at least an end, is possible. How long is... It's not really a cry of desperation, but of longing filled with a certain amount of hope. And it's what everyone is asking right now. How long do I have to keep waiting at home before this whole thing is over? You know, I've already cleaned my closets and raked the leaves and organized the utensil drawer. And... If you're like me, uh, and you have a lot of kids, of course, your cry of how long is a little bit different. It's tinged with a, maybe a certain amount of exhaustion at having to supervise and entertain and homeschool. And so you sit there and you say, how long, Lord, till I can put them back on a bus and let someone else uh, take care of them for a little bit. But as long as we're asking the question, we're still okay. Because then, at least we're staying put. 
It's when we decide we can't wait anymore and we rush into it and jump into a big crowd uh, to get something utterly essential like a bowling alley uh, that we put ourselves and everyone else at risk. There's also an element, there's also an element of loss of control in the cry for how long. If we thought we had things under control, why cry out for God to do something? And that's why I think we're getting all these uh, grasps for miracle cures, like you know, reaching for some old malaria drug, or I guess the latest thing is we now suggested that we should drink Lysol or something like that. Uh, good Lord, no, please don't do that. But, you know, the, the sense that if I do something, at least it gives me a sense and me a feeling of having things under control. And when we do things, that gives us a sense of control. Even if we don't know if it's going to work, the act of doing something gives us at least a feeling like we're trying to do something. It may be a tough fight against this virus, but at least I have a weapon. I, I have my pill or whatever. But if I have no tools, then I feel helpless and powerless. And that's the hardest part of this. You have no control. You have limited freedom. You don't know how long it's going to last. And there is no real weapon to fight it. But a cry to God is at least an admission that God is in control, even when it doesn't look like it. You don't ask if you don't want an answer, right? You don't ask God how long if you've already decided that either God's not listening or you'll never get an answer or you screw it, I might as well just do what I want. You don't ask how long in that situation. You know, you don't ask unless you want an answer. Except for when you go into work and you ask your coworker, "How was your weekend?" and what you were expecting was fine, fun, uh, how was yours? And instead you get a long dissertation on all of her personal problems and family problems and relationship problems and health problems, and that was way more than you wanted to hear, but you realize, well, I guess I did ask you how your weekend was, so uh, maybe I shouldn't have asked. But you don't most of the time ask a question if you don't think you're, you're looking for an answer. In this time of endless waiting and endless waiting without the security of knowing your future will be secure, that's what's hard we don't have that security of knowing. And here's what I can gather, some helpful ideas that have come through Scripture. Not a cure-all. Again, there is no cure-all for this. Most problems in the world don't have uh, cure-alls. They have things that can help. But miracle cures are pretty rare. But what would I say? I'd say we got to recognize the reality really, truly, honestly recognize the reality of what we're dealing with. And it's frustrating, and it's boring, and it's kind of scary, because people do die from this, and it's seemingly endless. And we know it's going to take a while, but we don't know how long. Now, this isn't about false hope, but about realistic expectations.
that's the next thing I'd say. Try to have realistic expectations. Because we get more upset when we make an oversized expectation and then it doesn't turn out the way we think than we do if we have a more honest expectation. I didn't say lower, honest. There is a difference. You know, if you say, we'll be done soon and we'll be back to normal in no time and everything will be exactly like it is, and then it isn't, you'll be more angry and frustrated than if you just said, I know it's going to be hard, but God will bring us through this eventually. And for now, I'm just going to focus on getting through this and just accept that. It doesn't mean that you will, it will be any less frustrating the second way. It just means that you know it's going to be frustrating. And so you're not going to deal with the frustration of, oh my gosh, I was supposed to be back, you know, watching the football game. And now I can't. If you didn't expect to watch a football game, you wouldn't be mad that you weren't seeing it. And you can also, you can also see the non-busyness as a gift, which is hard because when we don't feel secure, it's hard for us to focus on anything but the things that make us insecure. But we always complain about not having enough time to work on our spiritual lives, you know, I always hear that, well, pastor, that, that's a nice idea to spend time praying and focusing on, uh, you know, my relationship with the Lord. But, you know, I've got things to do. Well, depending on what your situation is, maybe now you don't. Maybe now is a chance to work on your spiritual life and focus on your position with God. Focus on your relationship with God. You can also live this as... Use this as a time to live in the moment. You know, Jesus is always talking about how we need to not be worrying about the future. People are always pestering him, right? When will we get the new kingdom, Jesus? When will we get to Jerusalem? When will, uh, when will the next thing happen? When are we going to this town? And they're always pestering him, wanting to know. They, they want a calendar. They want a schedule. They want a timeline. And Jesus, all over and over, keeps telling them to stop worrying about the future. And I get that that's hard. But it is true what Jesus says, that worrying will not change anything. You know, he asked his disciples. He says, and can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? Well, of course not. Worrying doesn't make your life longer anything, the doctor will tell you it makes your life shorter. Gives you stress, heart problems, on and on. It is what it is, and my future is in God's hands. In the meanwhile, I'm still going to take care of myself and eat healthy. I'm still going to take smart actions. I'm still going to do what is in my power to do, but I'm going to recognize my power is limited. But to be in the moment and be with God and be honest and be hopeful. That's kind of all we can do while we wait for God to answer us that question of how long. How long? So in this time, as we keep uh, asking, remember that we are not the first ones 
to go through a hard time and ask the Lord, how long is it going to be until something gets better? And we are not the first ones to not have a simple answer to that. But we do have the Lord with us in this time. And God wants us, I believe, to be able to be in the moment and to be there with us as a support to get us through. So however that looks like for you in your particular life, that's what you have to kind of figure out. That's what we all have to figure out. Our situations are different. But know that for all of you out there, Lord of Grace members or whoever's just listening in, uh, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And uh, I'm here if you do need to get talk. Uh, give me a ring. The phone still works. Uh, we can't meet in person, but uh, phone still works. And I still have my weekly Zoom check-ins on Monday and Tuesday at 10, uh, Arizona time, and my Wednesday Bible study at 2 uh, on Zoom, and the links for that are on the website. So uh, hope everyone's staying safe, and uh, look forward to catching up with you next time. So God bless. Take care. Bye.